Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx on transformationtalkradio.com. Welcome, welcome, Transformation Talk Radio listeners. My name is Ellen Stewart, and I am the Pushy Broad from the Bronx. Welcome to my show, Recovery Recharged, with my one and only illustrious Dr. Pat. How are you doing, Doc? I'm excited about this show because I think right now with Dr. Jeannie Burnett, you know, what we're going to be talking about is what many people are not really talking about now. It is one of the most, how should I say it, sweep it under the rug conversations. And yet we will probably have a good one or two years to really get the magnitude on it. But thanks to you and bringing on Dr. Jeannie, for sure, licensed clinical psychologist, certified eating disorder specialist, we're going to be talking about what is going on. And if you're wondering right now, and these are some of the questions we're bringing to the forefront, we're asking questions like, what is my new relationship with food? Do I even know that I have a new relationship with food? What about the quarantine and the 15, 20 pounds? Oh, that I'm just popping on right now. You know, what does that mean? Is that something that's weighing heavily on me? And no pun intended. No pun intended. I knew you'd pick up on that one. Uh, uh, but, but what do we need to understand? Because let's talk about how we can understand what's going on through our own personal stories. But also, we need to provide some people here listening with hope and solution. And Dr. Burnett, you're like me in, in a sense, your story. But I talk about the fact that my sister died on a hospital floor, floor mm. at about 400 to 450 pounds. We don't oh, really wow. Um, and so I understand what her journey was like with food. I understand what the guilt and shame was about that from my mother's death. And yet nobody could do anything about it. So let's get started because people don't have a passion and a purpose for something like this unless they have a personal story. What's yours? So, hi. Um, it's great to be on your show, by the way. Uh, I was a gymnast from eight to 14 years old. And when in, in gymnastics, the focus is on perfection. Everything is about being perfect, looking perfect. I don't remember, but our coach actually used to weigh us. And that's just something that was not, it didn't bother me back then. However, when we, when I quit at 14, my body hit puberty and I went from being all muscle to hitting the, you know, puberty and things were just changing and growing on my body. And a family member said something to me about six months after I had quit. 
and it mortified me. And I decided in that moment that I was going to lose the weight so that I would be okay. Was this directly um, involved in, in your body image, in your self-esteem? What, when you said something mortified you, what kind of a remark could have done that? So I won't say the person's, the relationship that I had with this person, because I, you know, love her. She was uh, uh, one of my very dear family members. But she did say in front of my entire family when I was 14, after we had all eaten Thanksgiving dinner and I was stuffed, everybody was full, right? And she said, Jeannie's getting fat. And I, I remember that moment. There are emotional times in our lives and they just sort of sear in your brain. And that traumatic moment is what sent me in that trajectory. Now, I will say that was not the only reason that I developed an eating disorder. There were lots of other reasons. I always say there's not just one reason for any type of addiction, there's multiple, so. And you were very young, right, Dr. Jeannie? Like 13, 14 years old? 14, I was 14. just about to turn 14. And then tell us a little bit more about what happened because it takes a long, like you said, it takes a lot of different reasons to develop an eating disorder. Tell us a little bit about what kind of eating disorder you had and how it manifested itself in, in, in adolescence. Sure. I admit, immediately stopped eating. And when I went back to school in January of the next semester, I was in ninth grade, and I watched this show in our health class called The Best Little Girl in the World. And that gave me, I watched this little girl, you know, feel heavy and then begins to slowly lose weight. And the things that she did on the show were exercise. She would eat and then vomit. So learning how to, teaching your body how to throw up is not an easy task. But I began to vomit and hide and lie and wake up at two o'clock in the morning and exercise. I did lots of things to try and manage not only the weight, but the anxiety behind it. There is a clinical term for eating and vomiting. Would you share that with us and tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about it? Sure. At that point in time, so now there are two ways that we can have anorexia. This is something that we've learned over time. So typical anorexia is where you don't eat and you will do different things to try and lose the weight, such as exercise. There's also a purging type of anorexia. And that is actually what I had because I did not eat a lot of food. So there's anorexia, which is your, your focus is on losing the weight in any way that you can. Bulimia, is a little bit different and that's where you binge and then you will purge in some way. And that's through exercise, that's through vomiting, that's through laxatives. There's lots of different ways that people try to purge. And then there's binge eating disorder is the third most common typical eating disorder. And that's where you will just eat. So Dr. Pat, had, did you ever feel um, low self-esteem as a child and take it out on food? I know I did. Was that ever a problem of yours? I think for me, mine was more cultural. 
you know, my, you know, my association with food was more cultural. Unlike my sister who went through just serious emotional guilt and shame for my mom's death. Um, I didn't quite have that, you know, my emotional breakdowns in life came later, but it was cultural for me. It was coming up in a Mediterranean and now I know also South American family. So I understand where my grandfather and my mom's side of the family came from their food. And it was whenever something goes wrong, have some pasta. Whenever something goes right, have a full Sunday meal over a 12 hour period. Uh, whenever something, whenever somebody is to be celebrated, pour four or five glasses of something and drink it. Or how about make sure you put that Zambuca in your espresso and drink it. When you go to the funeral, it is a three day party and let's eat and drink. So when you have a lifetime of that, there is an association with that, right? And that's what I had to break. You know, it's not that I still didn't participate in cultural events in my family where Thanksgiving was a big fat turkey and all Southern food from my stepmom, but lasagna, meatballs, sausage, garlic, oil, the whole thing. But what you learn is you don't have to eat till you explode. So for me, it was cultural. I think what I'm really struck by right now, and I'm watching myself on this, the impact of what we're going through, where every part of our cultural history, every part of guilt and shame, every part of what Dr. Jeannie just talked about, this is the perfect storm right now for all of those things to come to the forefront. And what a lot of people are feeling, I don't have another way out except for dot, dot, dot. And I, I'd like to know what your both of your thoughts are about that. I know with you, Ellen, uh, in the work you're doing, you're flooded with people. And Dr. Jeannie, from your perspective, you could certainly see what's happening with food, right? Do you both see the rise up and the trigger from the past 18 months calling all those things I just mentioned to the forefront? Well, I wanted to also, in, in light of what you just said, address to Dr. Jeannie a specific question. We know from the National Association of Anorexia Nervosa and, uh, and Associated Disorders that approximately 10% of the population will deal with some kind of eating disorder in their lifetime. What is amazing to me and what the doctor, Dr. Jeannie and I talked about before the program was that an eating disorder at any, can develop at any age. And now, as Dr. Jeannie was explaining, especially in the midst of COVID and the lockdown, she's seeing eating disorders in women between the ages of 40 and 50 years old. So it's not restricted to the beginnings in adolescence. Dr. Jeannie, we'd like you to talk about that a little bit. Sure. Women that are going through change. So the reason why a lot of people have eating disorders is because of change. I'm going to touch on the pandemic for a second. So one of the things about the pandemic is that it isolated us. We are so used, uh, used to as being as a society, busy, going, doing, I'm going to pick up my latte and I'm going to run to my meeting and then I'm going to run across town and, and blah, 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 blah. We're all over the place. Well, this grounded people. Think about when you were a kid and you were grounded and all you could do when you were in your room was think about stuff. You think about 
what you love, what you don't love, and, 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 and things creep up from underneath the surface. And that is what I believe has cost a lot of people a lot of turmoil because they're so used to running away and separating from their what's going on inside of them that they were it was really sort of hitting them in the face through the pandemic that you're absolutely right you hit the nail on the head not only hitting them in the face but we saw all of these new cooking programs and people were going out and buying all kinds of new equipment and experimenting with new things and then we have all these people that don't like to be by themselves so all of these emotional behaviors is what you're talking about is kicking in and now we're not only eating for sustenance but we're eating based on an emotional disorder Correct? Correct. Well, and we don't even have to go out and get our food anymore. They will deliver it to you. Right. Right? Right. And so the before the pandemic, women between the four, their 40 and 50-year-old age range already were the second largest uh, age range to develop eating disorders. And this is because of all of the change. And when they lose a spouse, when they are getting a divorce, when the kids are moving out of the house, when, when you hit menopause, nobody talks about this. I literally have hit menopause in the last four to five years. And I look at my body and I'm like, what happened? Like, <laughs> I don't do anything different. I don't overeat. And now I've got like a, a Buddha belly and, right. and it's okay. Like I love my little baby belly, right? But it takes, it, it's about an adaptation to this change. And a lot of people need to continue to see themselves at the height of, I mean, the height of our real, our physical self is before the age of 40. And this is, our whole body goes on this trajectory. We, we hit an apex at 40 and then our brain starts changing, our body starts changing. So things just start moving towards death, honestly. And so when we hit that change, we look at ourselves and go, I don't know who I am anymore. And so that's really frightening. And so I think a lot of women that develop anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, over-exercise, all those different um, things that they can develop, it it's what's trying, they're trying to, to deal with the changes that they can see, but they can't, they feel like they can't control. Dr. Yeah. Jeannie, what are some of the things that women need to notice or women and men need to notice? How does one know if they're developing an eating disorder or if someone they love is developing an eating disorder? There are quite a few signs. Could we talk about those? Sure. Um, I think one of the main things is focused on food. You can't have fun any, you can't just go out with your girlfriends and have a meal. You think about what is this going to do to my body? How much do I have to exercise the next day? There's always that compensation and that's whether you purge or not. So people are counting calories there. Oh, I've got to, I'm, if I'm going to eat this chocolate cake, then I've got to go do 30 extra minutes on uh, 
on the bike. So there's always this belief system about compensation and there's not this, this, there's not an okayness about having a mature body. A mature body begins to, it starts to sag a little bit. It starts to grow in different ways. And the dietitian that works for me is, is wonderful. I've, I've, I've talked with her about this. And I've said, listen, I, this is not the same body. I understand why women develop this disorder. And she said, estrogen, our body, when it stores fat, it stores estrogen. And that saves your life. You get to have a longer life, the more estrogen that you have in your body because our body stops producing it. And so thinking about really all of those different things and comparing yourself, that's another huge problem that people have is comparison. There's a saying that comparison is the thief of joy. And when we compare ourselves to either who we used to be, who my friend is, my 35 year old friend, my, like whoever you compare yourself with, it's your, setting yourself up. Somebody always loses when you compare. I have to stop comparing myself to JLo now, right? Dr. <laughs> Pat, that's what I have to do <laughs> because <Please> I'm, <laughs> losing. <laughs> I'm losing. <laughs> well, some of the other things though, shame, shame. It's like an eating disorder is so shame-based because the belief about the self is that I'm not okay the way I look. It doesn't matter who I am and what I say and how smart I am and how much I'm helping others. It's all about what do I look like and how are other people looking at me and am I being judged by them? And when you have that, that mindset of comparison and judgment and shame, those are the core features, you're going to feel bad about yourself. You're not going to like yourself. There's no joy in that. And if I'm worried about what other people are saying or thinking about me, then I can't really enjoy my moment. Like I'm at the beach. If I go into, I'm going to put on a bathing suit in an hour and I'm going to go out on the beach. And if I worried about what other people thought of me, I would, I would be miserable and I wouldn't do it. And so that's really like, there are lots of behavioral pieces to this with, with an anorexic. There are, not going to eat. They're going to make excuses. They're going to lose weight. They're, they just look thinner and thinner. Like if you can begin to see their jawline right here or their collarbones or anything else like below the waist, like bones below the waist, they're way too thin. Mm. If you can feel someone's backbones when you hug them, they're too thin. You know, it, when you talk about, I'm sorry, Dr. Beck, go ahead. Well, I wanted to piggyback on that because there's one thing that we've gone through since most of us were kids and since the story that you mentioned. One of the things we've seen in our culture here in the United States is a new normal. And what I mean by that is, you know, I grew up in a family where my sister, my dad would just be relentless and my uncle on my sister's weight. And, you know, now looking at the world we live in, my uncle wouldn't have had much room to pick on my sister because there's a new norm now, you know. So when we're talking about eating disorders, the societal view of who we are in acceptance has changed. Because if you go back a bunch of years, if you were 20 pounds overweight, OMG, that would have been like 
oh my gosh, if we would have had social media and you were 20 pounds overweight, you would be just absolutely guilted and shamed. And we've changed a bit. And so one of the things I'm aware of, and I'd like you to talk to is, we need to be aware of the health risks. We need to be aware also of if you hide from your family when you are going to reach for that cookie, or if you're sneaking a half a sandwich as you're now working from home and, and sheltering, if you're doing things where you're hiding or you're not telling the truth about, these are all signs. But we have to understand the physical impacts as well. And I think those are important. Everything from not drinking enough water to not even knowing that you shouldn't eat water. Can you talk about where we are today and how all these factors are now coming together to the forefront because we're now getting new information about the magnitude of this? Sure. Well, with different eating disorders, you're gonna have different physiological consequences. And that's literally one of the things that when I am looking at treating someone in my practice, we first and foremost have them uh, weighed, we have their blood pressure, we have blood drawn, we look at their full medical panel to make sure that they are in an okay place. Because you're right, when someone doesn't drink enough water or they don't have enough uh, potassium, that really sets them up for heart disease. And that's why so many people with anorexia die from uh, heart disease, like a, a heart attack, because their, their potassium levels are off. In fact, that's how most people with anorexia do die, because they just starve themselves. Um, if someone has bulimia, it, you think about taking in food, and then if you physically purge it, that's causing your body to do something very unnatural. And so I've had clients in the past have to have a complete uh, tracheotomy and, and like completely like renovate their whole inside. Um, they've had, they've lost so much bone marrow that they have to put in like titanium jaws. Um, our bone density drops. When someone is an, a binger and an overeater, we have to think about all of that extra weight, putting all of the pressure on the core part of your body. The core part of our body is our heart, our lungs, our stomach, our intestines. And so when you have so much weight on those areas of your body, your body can't function well. And so it, not to mention sugar in your bloodstream. I mean, there's just lots of things with lots of different kinds of eating disorders. But I would say probably the organ that gets hit the hardest in any of the eating disorders is the heart. Mm -hmm. mm. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, we are concerned about that, especially for women now. We're getting new statistics every day. Um, about the rise in heart, let me just categorize it as heart disease or right. heart illness. And we're getting more and more information about that. I know I've lost three people close to me. My mm -hmm. stepmom from a massive heart attack out of nowhere. But when you look back, not really out of nowhere. Um, Ellen, you know, from your perspective, you know, you both are on the forefront now of helping people every day. And I can help 
believe that this new level of awareness will provide a new level of solution. And I know we're going to talk about that later. Um, but Ellen, would you weigh in a little bit about where you are with what you're seeing and how the addictive nature or addiction in general is relating not just to alcohol and drugs anymore? Because see, when we say the word addiction, we go over there. But there's a right. bigger conversation that I want to make sure we're talking about here. And I don't think we've actually said that word yet. <laughs> right Correct. out of my mouth. This is why we're so much in sync, because that was the next thing out of my mouth. Because when you talk about, when Dr. Jeannie talks about developing kind of rituals around eating, not telling people how much you're eating, eating in secret, um, you know, and, and uh, or eliminating food groups entirely or restricting your calorie intake or using diet pills or diuretics or laxative or making frequent excuses for not eating. All of these things represent addictive behavior. Not being able to cope emotionally and taking out that emotional trauma on whether or not you are regulating your food, just like we would be regulating our mood-altering drug or drink. It is the same concept, which is why it's very, very popular for me to see cross-addicted individuals, individuals that have a drinking problem and a binge-eating disorder problem, people that have a drug problem like a cocaine problem and have an anorexic, anorexic problem because one seems to go with the other in terms of using something to escape the emotional pain. So absolutely, and which is exactly why I wanted Dr. Jeannie here because it is not only the severe eating disorder that we're talking about. And I know that we're going to break soon and when we come back after break, I want to talk to Dr. Jeannie about the, the component overeating, the binge eating. So it may not be in its severity, but we don't want it to get there. So we want to be able to talk about what we can possibly do to take a look at the signs yeah. and be aware of what's going on and take some practical steps to get help. And to get yeah. Some help. Before we go to break, I want everybody to know uh, uh, how they find out about you, Ellen, and also how they find out about you, Dr. Jeannie. So why don't we give folks more information? And again, when we come back, we'll do that. Um, tell everybody, Ellen, about you, how they can connect with you. The Pushy Broad from the Bronx. You can find me at 800-889-1757 or pushybroadfromthebronx.com. And I am still doing a free 30-minute COVID-19 stress session. And because until this thing is gone, I'm going to give you the help you need no matter what you want to talk to mm. me about. 800-889-1757. And Dr. Jeannie, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. It's uh, Mana Fund, M-A-N-N-A Fund.org. That is the nonprofit. And Mana Treatment, manatreatment.com is also underneath that umbrella. And our phone number is 770-495-9775. 770-495-9775. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to take a short break, everyone. And here's what I want to say. For those of you out there, out there that are listening and you have questions, you know, the show is always a live call-in show. Also, we're taking your messages on Facebook, 1-800-930-2819. Even if you don't have a question for yourself, one of the questions that comes up so often is, I'm watching my dot, 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 
and I see them doing some of the things that you all are talking about today, what do I do? Do I tell them to stop? Do I not say anything? What do I do? Everybody, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. When you lose a child, you find yourself part of a club that you never chose to join. There is a way to find meaning and joy in your life again. Jen Ripa has created a six-week sacred grief system, helping you let go of grief, heal with compassion, and understand what's available to you in the rest of your life. It can feel scary acknowledging that a part of you wants to move forward because you're not sure how to do it in a way that honors your child. The good news is that when you allow yourself to address your grief in a multi-sensory way, you can transition from sadness, regret, and hopelessness into a life that gives you peace, joy, and meaning. Jennifer understands with deep compassion how you're feeling because she's been there. For more information about the Sacred Grief Course, visit thriveology.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-O-L-O-G-I-E dot com. Caring for someone with a life-altering diagnosis? You are a care hero. Navigating the unfamiliar options can be overwhelming, but you are not alone. Tune in to A Cup of Comfort with me, Trish Lau, twice monthly on Transformation Talk Radio. Let me guide you through your care hero journey by providing actionable information on how to care for a loved one in need. For more information about me, visit trishlaub.com. That's trishlaub, L-A-U-B as in boy, dot com. Did you know that when we talk about the Earth's ecosystems, the most important ecosystem has been left out? You, we created the ecosystem approach to recapture human potential. Find us at theecosystemapproach.org. Join us every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for the Ecosystem Approach Show with Jason and Patricia on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn how to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles share stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com. Are you ready to shift your life into overdrive and stop wasting your time? If so, then I want to invite you right now to the Body Regeneration Online Academy with me, Tracy L. In a world filled with so much information, you can get overloaded and confused, left feeling like you've tried everything and still no results. If this is you, then this platform is for you to help you step into your power, your intuition, and gain clarity. You will learn simple tools that you can use as you walk down the street, and I will teach you how to grow a stronger connection to the God consciousness. Imagine having me as your coach, shifting you, uplifting you, empowering you every week, and most of all, helping you stay connected so you can navigate your life's journey with ease and grace. Nothing will be able to get in your way. Plus, you will have a community filled with souls just like you to pick you up when you fall down and support you on your wins. No one can go this journey alone. If you are ready for your live activations, check me out at tracylclark.com and join the TLC Body Regeneration Online Academy now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm so 
thrilled to be having this conversation, Recovery Recharge, with Ellen Stewart, who's here, Pushy Broad from the Bronx. I'm Dr. Pat. I get to chime in every once in a while. Today, this is about improve your relationship with food with Dr. Jeannie Burnett joining us here today. Before we get rolling, I got to stop for a minute and one more time, ask each of you to let folks know, because we're going to get rolling here, talk about some stuff now. Um, Dr. Jeannie, how do people find out about you and Pushy Broad from the Bronx? How do they find out about you? Dr. Jeannie, why don't you go first? Absolutely. Mana Fund, M-A-N-N-A fund.org, like mana from heaven. And we can talk about that at the end. And the number is 770-495-9775. Fantastic. And pushybroad from the Bronx.com, 800-889-1757. Take a look, book a free session with me. Go ahead, Dr. Pat. So growing up like you, like as an athlete in a bunch of different sports at a very young age, coming out of the gate, you know, playing sports, it was my outlet, you know, even as a kid, stickball, a whole bunch of things, then softball, then a bad knee injury, then table tennis. My coaches used to say, you know what? No pain, no gain. You are not doing enough. No pain, no gain. And I want to say that at some point I got that, but not now. That is not what we are here to talk about. We are not here to dish you another plate of pain and tell you no pain, no gain. That's not what we're doing. This now is about how to get help, but you cannot get help. And this is me talking from my personal experience. Never in my life have I been able to get help when I have not faced myself in the mirror and said, ouch, Mm. ouch. All right, let's go with you, Dr. Jeannie. The no pain, no gain, I threw that out. Tell me about the pain and what we need to face here. Ah, so the recovery process for, I say, any kind of addictive behavior. We were talking a little bit earlier about addiction, thinking of alcohol and drug and chemicals. Well, an eating disorder is actually called a process addiction because you're going through a behavioral process and you're using your body. And by the way, you are using the only substance that you actually have to have three to six times a day. And so imagine if you had to, whatever your drug of choice is, if you had to imagine, like face that three to six times a day in order to survive, but not overdo it and not underdo it. Imagine, it's ex- extremely difficult to recover from an eating disorder. And so one of the things that I always talk about with my clients is there is a little seed inside of you and there's, there's a little seed of pain inside of all of us that sprouts because we've all had painful situations, right? We've all got a different form of PTSD. It doesn't have to be big things that cause PTSD. It can be little things. Like I was shamed in front of my family. I, for probably 10 years, really struggled with having Thanksgiving dinner in front of my family. And so PTSD can be big or small, but the whole goal of therapy is to find that little seed and express the pain. It, it can come in the form of 
uh, sadness. You can cry, you can scream. I'll have my clients go outside and throw rocks into the, like a forest and scream, I hate you or obscenities or whomever upset them. I will have them do that. We have a punching bag in my office. We have, I know, right? We, um, when I was going through my treatment, I used a bataka bat, right? The, the handle with the foam on the end. Well, we just use pool noodles now and big chairs. So people can beat whoever up they need to, not really metaphorically, please don't go hurt somebody. Um, but getting that emotional pain out is really the core of how people need to move beyond their eating disorder. You know, I've reflected often and I've talked about this and Ellen, then I wanna hop over to you. I've reflected on this often uh, about at age five, my uncle's giving me a pair of boxing gloves and getting get me one of those blow up dolls. You know, those blow up things that you blow up and they kind of stand. I don't know how the they- doll? Yeah, uh, age five. So that thing right there, I don't know. I learned that at age five. Um, I also learned some really good hand and eye coordination on that. Um, Ellen, let's talk to you for a minute um, and sort of piggyback off this because there are things that you've seen and we both have experienced, how should I say it, pent up emotions. We know what pent up emotions are. Now the three of us sitting here, we help other people now with pent up emotions, but pent up emotions, they get you one thing and not much else. <laughs> Ellen, what do you think? I absolutely agree with you. And Dr. Jeannie's methods do work. I remember myself working on my addiction and my compulsive overeating, working also with therapists, giving me a tennis racket and a pillow. So I completely understand that method of getting out the anger. When I work with my clients based around their emotional situations, which which means I want them to experience a behavioral change. I also allow them to scream and yell and um, get the emotion out. What I conscious of, and I know that you are too, Dr. Jeannie, is making sure that their emotional pain is not self-deprecating. Because or turned against themselves. Yes, 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 absolutely. Because that's something that we really have to watch out for. Because like Dr. Pat mentioned before, the shame and guilt surrounding body image is a very difficult one, especially for adolescents. So I wanna take this a little step further because I know you have some specific um, uh, clues and s some specific help situations for parents taking a look at young children, what to watch out for, and some very different um, um, views about dieting and the age mm -hmm. kids should be dieting. So let's talk about that a little bit. What should parents be looking yeah. for? And we're talking about solutions here, right? Because you know what you're what we're about to talk about now are solutions to a problem. Right. And many people don't like to say this is a problem. They just want to say, oh, we're just going through a phase. And, just, and I think I just want to be very clear. We want to give people real life, pushy broad from the Bronx, Dr. Jeannie, this is what we've learned. This is what we want to share. Right. Is that where we're going now? That's where we're going. Absolutely. So. Whatever you want. Do it. <laughs> so let's talk about that. What can parents do? So parents do need to watch out for their children. 
Uh, one of my big, big, massive buttons is when parents tell children that they need to lose weight and they're under 18. I do not believe in dieting before age 18 because what that sets up is a tug of war because kids are doing what comes naturally to them. If you are feeling like your child is eating too much or they're losing weight or they're hiding out in their rooms or they're looking really gaunt or they're always exercising, whatever that behavior is, if it's too much, take them to a therapist and go with them because you're a part of the problem. I think you're absolutely right. And I think that that's maybe difficult for parents to hear because they want their kids to be a certain way and a certain image. So you are really advocating um, to get some help, to get some clinical help. And and um, I certainly do advocate that, which is why I had you on the show today and which is why I do recovery coaching, because I understand that if you're facing these kinds of situations, you cannot do it alone. It's tough. I should, um, let me, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I should say, you know, parents can be a part of the problem, but they're definitely a part of the solution, especially if they have children. The way that you communicate things to them, the way that you communicate to them about yourself. If you are standing in the mirror and going, ooh, the old gray mare ain't what she used to be. Like if you are self-deprecating, kids listen to that because they are looking to you to be their role model of how they're supposed to go through life. And so watch what you say to yourself, watch what you say to your kids. Please don't ever tell your children that they're fat. Um, I have doctors that I have to go to and say, you have helped create an eating disorder in this child that I am having to fix. And so you need to figure out how to wrap your brain around the health at every size movement. There is a movement out there, H-A-E-S, health at every size. There can be people that are five foot five and 200 pounds. And if they're physically completely normal, then that's where their body is supposed to be. Our bodies have a set point. And when we fight that, it causes huge problems for us. Yeah, and I, I think that what we're trying to talk about here is to bring something to the forefront, I believe, that we're not really talking about yet. We've had conversations like this before, and we're entering a new realm now where for people who were not part of this conversation, let me just get both of you to weigh in. There have been conversations about eating disorders and addictions that we've been having for decades, all of us, right? But we have a new audience now. We have the people also that we've been speaking with, right? They know. We've talked to them. We help them. There's a new audience now. If we watch the numbers and we believe the statistics in alcohol consumption past 600% purchase, if we read the information about the levels of eating disorder that we're just the tip we're knowing about, this may be a conversation that some people are hearing for the first time. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? 
You're absolutely right. And I I want them to know that just as we get a help for addiction treatment in alcohol and drug use, there is help for addiction treatment with eating disorders, whether it, it is a um, life-threatening disorder, which anorexia and bulimia are, make no mistake, or compulsive or binge eating disorder, there are people to talk to. And you have two of those people on your show today. So Dr. Jeannie, talk a little bit about what you've done with MANA uh, treatment and what kinds of people you treat so that people know there is help out there. Sure. MANA is located currently, we have one location in Northeast Atlanta, Georgia. We are looking very actively to expand around the outskirts of Atlanta and add a recovery residence so people that are out of town could actually come and come to our program. We provide treatment at three levels of care. There's five. There's five levels of care. One is an inpatient, which is a medical stabilization. We have residential, which is where you stay for one month to sometimes four or five, six months. Most of the time, it's about two to three. Then there's partial hospitalization, and that's what MANA provides. It's an outpatient, 30-hour-a-week, five-day-a-week program. And then we have intensive outpatient, which is three to four days a week, three hours a day. So it's a step down. And then there's outpatient level of care. So we do all of the outpatient levels of care. But let me just say, we also, when we have the extra funding, we have also been known to pay for other people who aren't even a part of our MANA system or aren't even in Atlanta to go to other inpatient and or residential levels of care because we are a nonprofit. Mm. Yeah, and that is the importance of the nonprofit that you have put into play. And, you know, I know we talked about this before, but let's talk about what this, what your beautiful nonprofit now has afforded you to open the doors up for, uh, for others, right? And then yes. as part of this teaching and learning, there are some things that you can, we can share with people about how do they get to the root? What can you do before you reach for that dot, 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 right? Sure. Well, can I do a little, little quick anatomy lesson? Can you see this? Okay, if this is your brain here, the emotional center is here. Things get stuck in your emotional center. And so the way that we have been created is to put words to that. So any way that you can put words to the emotion that might be stuck inside of you through communicating with another person, through prayer, through journaling, through painting. Maybe you don't have the right words, but you can express yourself through art. So there's lots of creative ways that people will help themselves. I used to have a client, and I love the story, and I tell it all the time. She is doing 100% well. She came in, she had had trauma, she was anorexic, And then three years later, she didn't anymore. And she is able to eat and communicate and she's just doing marvelously. She took her child's crayons that you can write on the bathtub with and she would literally map out a problem. 
and do her own therapy. So there's lots of ways that, and once you get to the core, again, cry, scream. I mean, there's, I think God gave us tears so that we can heal. And that's the way that we heal. And what you're saying, Dr. Jeannie, is it is that it's not okay to stuff it down and hold on to it. It is not okay if somebody is bullying you based on your size or your, you know, or your weight. It, it is not okay to just um, ignore it completely. You have to face it, face the, I, the understanding that you have an emotional problem that is causing you to do this, and it is no reflection on who you are as a human being. And that's where it begins, that kind of awareness. And I know that when I do some coaching, we talk about the four big things. We talk about the awareness of the problem. We understand that there's something bothering us that we have to, we have to talk about. The verbalization of that, like you said, either cry or scream or or paint it out or draw it out or talk to a support group and then begin to learn all about it and process it and then eventually move forward. So those are the most important things that we talk about and understanding that because it is on your mind and because it may start from very young or it may start via covid Please don't ignore it, right? That's your big message for today, right, Dr. Jeannie? Yes, and I want to talk to that subset of people that, that are probably listening that don't believe that it's okay to feel bad feelings, quote, bad feelings, sadness or anger or shame. And I just want to speak to them for a second and say you have a right to have those feelings. You have a right to be a human being. You have the right to, to experience that pain and now you can let it go so that you can heal. What do you think, Dr. Pat? Um, we know the history of what happens when we don't bring the things in our life to the forefront. You know, it is grounded in history and documentation on addition that goes back an entire century. Uh, we've learned so much from psychology and sociology about what happens. We've learned from emotional intelligence. We've certainly learned from the people that have lost their lives um, because we know that we're not just dealing with a piece of food or a drink. We're dealing with an entire psychological and emotional and social aspect of what haunts us. And if we don't get help to face what haunts us a piece at a time, it accumulates and it grows and it takes control of our lives. And today what we're talking about is giving people back their lives. That's what we're talking about here. Exactly. And understanding that these things can um, have very um, fatal consequences. So oh, yeah. we cannot minimize everything that's going on here. And like Dr. Jeannie says, it is tough because we all have to eat to live. I can't imagine what it would be like. Can you imagine what it would be like if we needed alcohol to survive? And we had to have alcohol three to six times a day and try to regulate the amount that we can drink. Uh, it would be impossible to me. I would never be able to do it. 
But Dr. Jeannie, you are living proof that you went through a very debilitating eating disorder like anorexia and are now in recovery. So just talk to us a little bit about that positivity. Sure. I am one of the, I don't know if it's few, I don't know how many of us are actually out there, but I believe in full recovery from an eating disorder. When I went into an intensive program when I was 18 years old and days later I walked out and I literally never on my own purged again. And I, I may have struggled with my body image and being okay with myself and in my skin, but people, if they're tenacious, and they just continue to work through the problem, they will they will reach a really nice place. I'm in a really nice place right now. And I love, like, I, I can't say that I love the extra 20, but it's okay. You know, that's why they make different sizes of clothes, right? <laughs> yeah. And so having the things that I can do though, because of my recovery journey, And because I know, like, I love working with people with eating disorders because they are tough nuggets. They are, they are just, they have, they're hell bent. They have their feet in. And I'm like, I get that, but I know I used to be that way. That's why I can stand here face to face with you and tell you that I know what's going to happen. And I know how you can get out of this and I want to help you. And that's, that's really, we love our people at MANA. Mm. Wow. It is a wonderful place to go for treatment. And um, I would like you to tell people exactly where they can find you again. And, and if they want to make a donation to the foundation, how do they go about doing that? Absolutely. They can go do both at manafund.org. And we have uh, three different ways that we have our mission statement. We do research, we do treatment, and then we do education such as I also have a podcast, which you and I talked about, Ellen, which is called Food, Faith, and Feelings. And you can find that on most places uh, where you hear podcasts. And they can call 770-495-9775. Thank you. Thank you both. Ellen, how do people find out about you? And thank you both for all the work that you do in the world and all the work you do to save lives. Ellen, how do people find out about you? Thank you so much. Pushybroad from the Bronx.com. And I want to thank Transformation Talk Radio and KKNW because people are calling and they are getting some help. 800-889-1757. Thank you so much, Dr. Pat and Transformation Talk Radio. And I want to thank everybody out there for being absolutely amazing. You know, as Dr. Jeannie and Ellen has said before, yep, we build resilience here. And you as listeners are the most. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Recovery Recharged with Certified Life and Recovery Coach Ellen Stewart. Pushy Broad from the Bronx. Don't miss your next opportunity to let me help you recharge your recovery, let go of your secrets, and change the way you think, feel, and act right here on TransformationTalkRadio.com.